Welcome back to Happy Hour with Operation Happy Nurse. So last episode, we kicked off our exploration into acupuncture by having a conversation with the lovely Dr. Lindsay Trottier. And today we are back with another very special guest, Dr. Richard Harris. Dr. Harris is an associate professor in the Department of Anesthesiology and a research associate professor in the Department of Internal Medicine Division of Rheumatology at the University of Michigan. He has a very impressive educational background. We will get into that later on, but Dr. Harris is currently investigating the neurobiological mechanisms regarding treatments for chronic pain and fatigue conditions. So he is a member of the American Pain Society and a co-president for the Society for Acupuncture Research, which is why Shannon and I thought he would be a great person to speak to today. So thank you for joining us, Dr. Harris. Hello. It's great great to be here with you all. (laughs) So how does one go from most particularly more like science realm of things, I would say, and transform into studying Chinese medicine and acupuncture? I know that's a very loaded question, but I want to hear from the beginning. (laughs) That's a a very interesting question. And there's many different ways um, that people do it. Um, My my background was I was trained in basic science for my, my doctorate degree. But while I was in graduate school, I started uh, getting interested in Eastern um, philosophy and Eastern medicine. I saw a documentary by Bill Moyers called Healing in the Mind, which, in, which he interviewed some acupuncturists uh, and, and people who practice Tai Chi uh, in China. And I was very amazed at how the medical system was totally different from what I'd you know, grown up with. Mm-hmm. I was just fascinated by the topic of qi, this concept that the body has this energy in it that um, promotes health and wellness. And uh, anyway, as a graduate student, I saw that and I was really interested in it. And I started learning Tai Chi and Qigong, which is an internal energy art. And mm-hmm. just from there it took off. I got more and more excited about how meditation and Qigong were affecting my mind and body. And mm-hmm. learn more about it. And I thought acupuncture would be a very simple way to explore it scientifically because you've got a needle that goes into specific spots and regulates the chi. So I thought, hey, that's something we can study. Mm-hmm. Um, then I decided to learn how to do acupuncture and went to acupuncture school um, and then integrated that to my research background and then started doing research in acupuncture. Oh, Okay. That melts it a little better for me. So we're, Shannon and I have yet to do acupuncture. That is our adventure that we're going on next week, I believe. But I have a, oddly enough, being a nurse, as I know some people do, I have a fear of needles. <laughs> so um, more it's like in my head. I Once it happens, I'm like, that was anticlimactic. I don't know why I was scared, but the thought of everything kind of freaks me out. So is, what's, can you kind of explain, when we're doing this more for mental health, than pain, but I know Shannon has previous, um, she did it one more time before for her knee because she was having chronic knee pain, but what is going on in our brains neurologically when a needle is being placed for acupuncture that kind of helps with the healing? Oh, it's really interesting. It's really exciting. So it's, it's almost like um, the acupuncture needle in some way, and we don't quite understand it completely yet, but in some mm-hmm. way, the insertion of acupuncture needles in acupuncture sites changes the connectivity 
uh, oh. activity of the brain. So if you just put uh, a needle in someone while they're in an MRI magnet, for example, and you're imaging their brain, if you insert needles in acupuncture points, what you largely see is a decrease in activity uh, in the limbic system, which is this emotional regulation kind of system in the brain in that network. Um, you will also see uh, increases in connectivity, which is the degree with which one brain area speaks to another brain area. And a lot of times what you find with acupuncture is that it increases the connectivity uh, or alters the connectivity of the sensory cortex. Okay. Part of the brain that's devoted to um, sensing uh, touch or pain or heat or warmth of the somatosensory system. Mm-hmm. Acupuncture somehow rewires it. It's almost like it goes in and rewires it, but it, it does so using the body's own uh, processes, most like, mostly. It doesn't, you're not, in a, you're not like injecting a drug into the body. You're not going in and you know, changing things in terms of like taking structures out. You're simply just penetrating the skin and then going deeper into the muscle to elicit the chi response. And somehow that chi response is related to um, brain plasticity. So are there a lot of studies out on acupuncture? Is it still being researched? There are so many studies on acupuncture and it's still being researched a lot. Um, the, The first studies of acupuncture in the Western literature were in the early 70s. And it kind of percolated along and that was when we learned that acupuncture is effects on pain are mediated in part by the endogenous opioid system that the body mm-hmm. the body has its own pain regulatory system that involves endogenous opioids. And so acupuncture somehow uh, mobilizes that system to reduce pain. So that was like in the 70s and a little bit into the 80s. And then it really took off in the 90s when NIH had a uh, consensus meeting where experts from all over the world gathered and talked about acupuncture. This is uh, 1997. And that just really catapulted it forward. And then if you look, you know, in the 20 years after that, there's just been an explosion of uh, research. And there's just more and more coming out. So, for example, the, the Society for Acupuncture Research, we have meetings every year mm-hmm. where we... Uh, talk about acupuncture research, and we're actually having a meeting coming up in June uh, of this year, which is going to be all virtual. So if anyone is interested in attending that virtual meeting, it's uh, www.acupuncturesearch.org is our website. And cool. interested in learning about the new, new um, research and up-to-date research uh, in acupuncture, I highly recommend you. So is most of the research based on pain or is there some on relieving stress and anxiety and mental health associated with acupuncture? There's, there's a lot. So acupuncture is, is used for many different symptoms. Uh, in traditional Chinese medicine, uh, acupuncture is used for more than just pain. Um, actually, when I went to China and watched acupuncture being delivered in hospitals, it wasn't really used for pain so much. Pain isn't one of the most that acupuncture is used for in China. Uh, mm. But it is used for other things as well. Like I was saying, it's used for depression, for stress, 
many times when I treat patients, they'll come off the table and say, wow, I feel really relaxed and calm and peaceful, you know. So it's just a single session is enough to give some, some stress reduction. Um, it's used for other things like uh, infertility, so uh, getting pregnant. You know, acupuncture is good for that. Um, acupuncture is also used for like cancer. There's a lot of symptoms that cancer survivors have, for example, like you know, chemotherapy uh, can induce like nausea and vomiting. And acupuncture is very good at reducing nausea and vomiting. So it's used for many things. And, and I would say that the research, back to your question, uh, Shannon, that the research has mostly been in pain. I think the bulk of it has been in pain. But you will find studies in other conditions. Like we've done studies in fatigue, for example. Like they for fatigue. So, so what are they what are they looking at when they're doing the research? Are they just looking at qualitative data or quantitative? Like how are how are the research studies set up? So the research is set up essentially um, can be kind of divided into like basic science research, uh, clinical research, and like translational research between the basic science and the clinical. And then now NIH is starting to fund things that go beyond the clinical trials. We're now starting to fund things like um, dissemination and implementation where we know, you know acupuncture is good for condition X. So why don't we see acupuncture being offered in hospitals if the research shows that it's effective and safe? Mm-hmm. It's just funding implementation and more dissemination type research like that. But to answer your question, most of the research that's been done has been basic science, translational, and clinical. So the basic science is basically looking at things like animal models of pain conditions or animal models of cancer or animal models of um, even depression. And so what, what happens is they'll be looking at like genes, they'll be looking at uh, behaviors of the animal, um, they'll be looking at blood hormone levels, you know, blood molecules, so things of that nature. And so acupuncture is quite good at giving us effects on those outcomes. Um, the clinical realm, like you say, is mostly like questionnaires, so self-reported outcomes for symptoms where the intervention is really moving patients' reports of their symptoms. And then the translational piece is when they merge sort of more mechanistic outcomes with clinical patients that are experiencing symptoms. And then the translation sort of merges the, the basic science research with the clinical research. And so acupuncture has been used in all of that. There's, a, there's research on all of those domains. Yeah, I'm still shocked that it's so I always thought it was just used for pain and it was very specific, joint related and stuff like that. So we've learned that already this series and that it does so much more than that because I didn't even realize our hospital had it until one time I saw on the door of one of my patients that said, please do not come in, acupuncture in progress. And I was like, oh, it's so cool. And he comes by with this little briefcase of needles. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so it's really interesting. It's like a whole other realm I didn't even realize. And I like that it's getting, you know, even though as a nurse, I still like that we're trying new things on the patients because it seems to be very beneficial in the hospital. Yeah, it's interesting. So um, there's been the pendulum shift. You know, it wasn't always accepted, and it's mm-hmm. accepted, you know, today in some hospitals. But like, for example, here at the University of Michigan, I've been here since 2002, 
and I've been a licensed acupuncturist in Michigan. Mm-hmm. But um, my hospital wasn't letting me treat patients because you know, I didn't have an MD. So I have a PhD, but a clinical degree in acupuncture. And it wasn't until really the opioid crisis hit and that, that the, the physicians at my hospital were saying, okay, well, you know, we need to have alternatives other than these medicines, which are right. causing death and all sorts of bad things. Mm-hmm. Overuse, you know, all these things. Exactly. And then they, they sort of are now trying to incorporate non-pharmacological approaches which are safe and if not as effective, more effective than what we typically do. So, yeah, the pendulum is swinging back now towards non-pharmacological approaches. And acupuncture is a great option for pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were learning, we did um, Reiki last season too. So Reiki was a whole other thing too. I didn't realize they practice in hospitals, but again, it's something new. I like that we're trying all these non-pharmacological methods. Are there any, I know we talked about pain and we're talking about mental health as well, but is there any type of limitation when it comes to what acupuncture can or cannot treat in your opinion? Um. It's interesting. So in my schooling, when I was learning how to do acupuncture, we covered basically every single system of the body that Western science sort of treats. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like acupuncture could be used for most every condition you can think of. Mm -hmm. But that was from my education. The research just isn't there yet. The research isn't quite there to say that acupuncture could be used for everything. There, there are some things that it, the research um, says it's 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 just so uncertain, uncertain yet. So like even for like for example infertility or for fertility treatments, there's kind of like a mixed mixed message there. Maybe it's effective. Uh, also with uh, drug addiction, you know, like coming off of a heroin addiction, for example, mm-hmm. data which says that it's that it's effective. Some it says it's not. Um, a lot of, however, a lot of detox um, places will use acupuncture to try to help detox um, patients. Oh, so, so I, think I research isn't there yet for a lot of the things that claim to be useful. Is that kind of what you're working on in your research? Do you kind of take like different groups of people and just further that knowledge by doing? I don't want to say experiments, but doing different trials with acupuncture. Yeah, my my research has mostly been in fibromyalgia, which is okay. the, uh, you know, widespread pain condition that's accompanied with depression, like we're talking about mood disorders today. Um, mm-hmm. Fibromyalgia patients often will complain of anxiety, depression, fatigue, sleep disorders, troubles with cognition, and pain, obviously. And um, my research has been largely to see if acupuncture can help them, as well as try to determine how, by, by how it works. And so that usually involves uh, brain imaging with uh, MRIs. So for someone that was suffering from fatigue, because Shan can back me up on this, but a big thing I know is burnout in our field. And one of those factors, I think, is just overall emotional, mental stress and physical as well. What would you do? no pressure as an acupuncturist, what is the certain type of 
treatment you would do on somebody that was suffering from fatigue? And I'm sure it's different for every different individual, but if you can get an example of where the needles would go or what that would look like for treatment, I'm just curious. Yeah. So actually for fatigue, um, we've actually done some research studies uh, showing that acupressure is really effective for fatigue. And it's okay. nothing that you can treat yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you can give yourself acupressure treatments to help alleviate your fatigue. We took um, cancer survivors that had persistent symptoms of fatigue mm-hmm. and taught them how to do acupuncture and then they went home and practiced acupuncture for six weeks. And then we assist them again afterwards, and they had a significant improvement in their fatigue rating. Um, about 60 to 70 percent of them had uh, clinically meaningful improvements in scores. Oh, cool! In JAMA Oncology a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So the points that we use um, that I can show you right now, one of them was uh, Yin Tong, which is uh, this point that's your kind of like your third eye, which you mm-hmm. have in. In like Indian philosophy and uh, culture, there's a lot of times you'll see Indian women with you know, like a dot on the third eye. So this is a this is a acupuncture point, and you can stimulate the point by just applying pressure. Used another point that we used is on the wrist. This one here, which is called heart three. So it's pressing on your wrist right here is a point, and then add couple other points on the legs. Oh, cool. Yeah, not very easily. <laughs> <laughs> so that's acupressure, or did you say that's also puncture? Because I know you would teach them how to... You can do acupuncture at the spots. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't advise someone who's not trained in how to get needles to do acupuncture on yourself. Right. <laughs> Don't do it at home. Here, <laughs> if you're trained, and it doesn't take that much, but um, everyone can do the pressure. One of the things that people do... Um, when they apply pressure on the spot, uh, you can oh apply that pressure that gives you like a, an achy sensation. Uh-huh. The, the de chi, as we call it, the arrival of the chi. I'm like, hmm. And so um, wow. pressure to get that achy sensation. And that's the one thing that almost everyone doesn't do correctly. Everyone <laughs> doesn't give us the sensation. So that's, that's the main problem that people have. But yes, you can use pressure to activate the point you don't have to be yeah because i always find myself when i have tension headaches or whatever i'm just sitting there going like this and i have no idea what i'm doing but i'm like it feels good it's a massage for my head (laughs) do you have any um acupressure points that nurses can use in the field when they are feeling kind of anxious or stressed help (laughs) (laughs) yeah um like this one, like I said, the in-town point is one that you can definitely use. In right in the middle. The third eye. Yeah, so if you get your eyebrows here, mm-hmm. the midline, right between your eyebrows. And I like to stimulate it by pressing with my middle finger and then kind of bracing it with my index finger. Okay. And if you press hard enough, you have to notice my fingernail is kind of like blanched. Oh, yes. You want mm-hmm. your fingernail to blanch, turn white. And then just move in a circular clockwise and counterclockwise motion. And this is a this is very much a calming point. Mm-hmm. It calms the mind, and um, it's an easy one that I can do oh. in time. And That's good to know. Three minutes uh, on each 
on the points, that's probably enough. So you have to do it long enough to get the, get the, get the benefit. Cool. Like the minute I stopped that, I felt like I just had like the pressure went. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sometimes you can, feel, like, you can feel the body relax. You can feel uh, yeah. the relaxation happening as it happens. So have there been any MRI studies with acupressure or acupuncture, like seeing the changes in the brain as it's actively being utilized? Yeah, actually there's a number of studies that have been in in the literature since like the early 2000s where people would be put in the MRI magnet and they would be, a needle would be inserted, but it wouldn't be manipulated. And then there would be like a rest period of a couple minutes. And then the needle would be manipulated by manual twirling and thrusting to elicit the cheek sensation. And then there would be a rest period afterwards and they would compare the MRI signature uh, in, in the rest period compared to the stimulus. So those types of like rest versus stim yeah. periods have been analyzed with MRI. And she, that was like what I was saying earlier, where the limbic system, it's almost paradoxically that the neural activity goes down when the needles are stimulated. So the limbic system is deactivated with uh, acupuncture. Very cool. And so that's, that's hard, you know, objective, you know, basic science thing that, you know, acupuncture has physiological effects on the brain. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's so cool. So for someone that has ongoing stress and anxiety, asking for a friend, <laughs> would you, how many times a week or is there a certain amount of treatment you would recommend or was it kind of like a evaluation per se the first time and then see you kind of go from there? Like, um, you know, chiropractor, you would go if you're feeling this type of way. Would you just go every time or what would you recommend? I would recommend going for um, five to six weeks. So mm -hmm. I prefer to see an acupuncturist and get treatment for a condition. I typically say you need like five or six weeks worth of treatment where you get treatment either once or twice a week. Okay. And then, then reassess at the end. And usually what happens is people that have a good response, they'll know like after the first couple sessions, hey, this is this is helping me out. Then I would encourage you to keep going until those five or six weeks are done. Mm -hmm. And then just wait to see if the symptoms come back. If they if they resolve completely, then you're done. There's mm -hmm. a lot of data that says that acupuncture effects can last over a year. So wow. Five or six weeks of treatment the benefit can last a year or longer, or maybe a completely resolving issue. Um, but sometimes when we have patients that have chronic problems that have been around for decades, then it's hard to make it go away completely. And mm -hmm. what you have to do is after those five or six first weeks are done, you wait for maybe a couple, two, three, four weeks to see if the symptoms are coming back. Once they start coming back and go back in to get treatment and then just manage, then it becomes kind of like a management kind of situation right. where you basically you go in and you feel like you need it. Um, and so I have patients like that. I have some of my patients, um, you know, come and see me monthly for like So do you practice out of the University of Michigan or do you have like a separate 
practice outside of that? I have a uh, private practice outside of the University of Michigan. I've mm -hmm. been treating patients in that private practice since uh, 2002. Oh. So I saw that acupuncture can be covered by insurance. Is that just for pain or can it be covered if it's for mental health as well? Um, that's interesting. So what's we had like a landmark event happen last year where um, the Medicare Medicaid uh, approved uh, insurance coverage for acupuncture for low back pain. Wow. Like the first like motion that we've seen from Medicare Medicaid. Mm -hmm. like amazing yeah that's very important wow. so if you're asking about other conditions it sort of depends on your insurance company some insurance companies will cover for things like depression and mm -hmm. um, other non non-pain kind of things but it, it really just depends on the provider it depends on what state you're in also kind of some states are more the girl, like if you go to California, um, there's acupuncturists everywhere in California. <laughs> That's where we are. I'm in San Diego and oh, she's in Orange County. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. You guys are nice. Nice. I know. That's how I found out it was covered by insurance because the woman we're actually going to see to try acupuncture said that like you could give your insurance card to them to see if it gets covered. So I thought that was really amazing that, you know, insurance is starting to cover other types of medicine. Mm -hmm. So, Dr. Harris, what is, what does your work with the American Pain Society look like? Are you doing strictly work with acupuncture or is it just different like non-pharmacological realms or what does that look like? So with the, the American Pain Society for APS. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I, I do um, things other than just acupuncture research. I do um, Lots of drug studies, like I'm interested in different drugs, like mechanistically how they help with pain. So I'm right. interested in pain. And I have other studies that are just looking at you know, why certain certain pain patients develop certain types of pain. Like you're talking about fibromyalgia, which has now come to be like its own type of pain. Like before, we used to think that pain was only caused by stimulation of A delta and C fibers in the periphery, which then go into the simple nervous system. Mm -hmm. Now we know that in conditions like fibromyalgia, the actual central nervous system itself might be functioning correctly, irrespective of the A delta and C fibers. So um, so that type of pain is not termed nosoplastic pain. So we study I study a lot of nosoplastic pain conditions um, like you know, temporal mandibular blood disorder, uh, pelvic pain, um, interstitial cystitis, irritable bowel, um, like all of those conditions are like uh, nosoplastic. They have, they have aspects of nosoplastic. Yeah, we have a lot of issues too because I work on medical surgical floors. So people will have surgeries for other things but also have fibromyalgia as well. And so we're dealing with their newfound pain but then also the pain they just always have. So it's kind of a juggle. So pain, pain management is a huge thing. <laughs> Where we are. I don't. I don't think you have as much issues with that in the NICU, Shan. But actually, um, they <laughs> have been doing studies that are showing that NICU babies and preemies and stuff actually feel pain worse than the Aww, adult, and it's hard to tell. Yeah, it's hard to tell though because they don't really react like 
a normal adult would. So initially back in the day, they thought that preemies didn't feel pain as much. So they wouldn't Mm -hmm. give them pain meds or stuff like that. But now they're starting to see that they actually do. And it has long lasting effects as well. So that's pretty, yeah, that's a pretty hot topic in the NICU right now. Oh, cool. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So we like to ask um, people what they personally do for stress relief. So what are your go-to stress relievers, Dr. Harris? Oh, yeah, for certain. So my go-to stress reliever is meditation. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm a practitioner of meditation. and I, Like I was saying in graduate school, I started learning how to do meditation. And then have just continued it uh, throughout my life. Mm-hmm. And you know, every day I have a practice uh, where I meditate for you know, 15 to 30 minutes a day. Um, and then also during throughout the day, like if I have a stressful day, mm-hmm. like the world is starting to come in on me, then I'll practice meditation. I'll go walking or do a walking meditation. Um, sometimes it involves being outside. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, but definitely if I have stress or anxiety, um, for sure, I just go straight to the meditation. I like that. I wish I, I mean, I probably could if I tried, but I always was really interested in meditation. It just seems like so peaceful. And I'm always like, I don't have a time for that, but I think I could probably make some time. Well, Carly, we've got those guided <laughs> meditations on Operation Happy Nurse. So I know. Check them out. That's so Dr. Good. Harris, if people want to check out the research, do you mind just saying the website one more time for our listeners? Yeah, sure, sure. It's www.com all one word, acupuncturesearch.org. And that'll, keep, that'll bring you to the Society for Acupuncture Researchers website. And we have a lot of um, links there for you to look at. We have materials if you want to become a member. You can get access to a lot of the materials that we have available. We have like these evidence-based assessments where they like review documents that say, you know, acupuncture is good or not good for condition acts. Um, and, so, and then we also have our annual meeting, which I was talking about earlier. Yes. Uh, our meeting coming up here in June, June 14th. Amazing. Oh, we should go, Shan. We should. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Harris, for speaking with us today and sharing with us and the listeners some of your research and knowledge in the world of acupuncture and stress and anxiety relief, as well as pain management. Uh, To our listeners, follow along with us. We will talk about our experience with acupuncture and if Carly survives it next (laughs) week. And we'll actually, you know, do some audio recordings from when we actually go do acupuncture. Join us. And if you have any ideas for our next practices, feel free to email Evan. His email is on our website at operationhappynurse.org. Thank you again, Dr. Harris. This has been so informative and amazing. Thank you.